0: This is Base Layer brought to you by Arca. I'm your host, David Nage. This is Base Layer, where institutional investors come to learn about crypto. Welcome back to Base Layer. This is David, and this is your new episode with Tomer Afik from Space Mesh. Space Mesh is a project I've been watching for a little while. They are trying to address a few different issues. Uh, they have created a digital asset that is supposed to be fairly mined, permissionless, race-free, and open source, a programmable digital asset that has a low barrier to entry. We also talk about what proof of space is and how that is different than what you know people are obviously familiar with in terms of proof of work or proof of stake. Space Mesh uses a mesh structure as opposed to a one-dimensional chain. What does that mean? Why are people talking about it? We also talk about that versus DAGs, uh, and a lot of other things. So this is a great informational uh, show with Tomer. He also has some background in more traditional finance as well too. And so remember, nothing on Base Layer is investment advice. So please do your own research. And on the flip side, you're going to hear a great show with Tomer from Space Mesh. Enjoy. This is David, and this is your new episode of Base Slayer. I have Tomer, the co-founder of Space Mesh, with us. This is a project I've been watching for a while. I spoke to a great investor in the space, and I begged him to basically get me some time with Tomer and the team there. So we're going to go through what Space Mesh is. And aside from loving the name, there's a lot of things that you guys are doing that are really cool there. But if you could, uh, what we would like to do on the show is with our guests to... Give them a little bit of background about yourself. Uh, you've had a few different kind of jobs and capacities throughout the years. I love this narrative of more traditional finance people who eventually wind up into digital assets and blockchains. And I know you were at Evergreen Partners, so I'll talk about that a little bit. But you know, a little bit about yourself and the moment that you found your way into blockchains into bitcoin into other digital assets and you know this world how did that happen so a little bit about yourself to start off with and that moment and the reason why that happened what about the technology really led you into this path and then we're going to learn a lot about space mesh
1: cool yeah thanks for having me i'm excited to uh join your podcast um i um Like many people, I think, in the blockchain industry, I am a little bit of a strange fellow. So life wasn't uh, very easy for me at the beginning. Um, I couldn't really fit in into multiple places until it became sort of more evident to me as I grew up that my real talent is in mathematics and I have found some comfort as an investor, as a VC in uh, Evergreen venture capital firms. I've spent seven years over there. I have uh, had the privilege of seeing the investment or venture capitals transition from a six-month due diligence process for a $5 million check to an AC company to, a uh, you know, two weeks decision on participating in some small seed fund and et cetera, et cetera. So I've uh, been through this transition. I have um, felt uh, the hunger of doing something in my own hands after uh, being an investor for a long time. I decided to leave Mesh in order to uh, run a company, which was at very early date at that time. And uh, Four years later, we managed to sell this company for quite a lot of money, and I made my uh, exit. And at that point, I was uh, looking for what next for me. I think what was imminent as a difference between me and some of the other people that were in my situation that, that for me it was very clear that I would not get excited for making another round of the same kind of like money based. Uh, so, just chasing another $5 million didn't seem like the right thing for me to do. And I was seeking something that I'll have more purpose and, and, and feeling of uh, meaning inside the, the pursuing. And when I first held the Satoshi Nakamoto white paper in my hand, I, I was extremely excited. It felt like history to me right in front of my eyes. And I was actually very uh, clear this is the industry that I'm gonna be spending the rest of my life in. And um, when we started, it was fairly, uh, Bitcoin was fairly big and it was just the beginning of Ethereum. So proof of stake at that point was all the rage. And Professor Moran, Ido Bentov, Aviv my partner, and myself, the four of us were kind of determined on the fact that we want to not let go of the idea of scarce resource because of the permissionless aspect. And that the way we interpreted the Bitcoin white paper was essentially that there is a promise there, and there is an idea of how to implement this promise. And the promise was. To allow any machine to get into this magic internet money via mining from home. And this promise is very critical, more than the actual implementation just via proof of work. Right. And our, uh, our idea is to iterate closer to this original goal more than Bitcoin is able to. So to essentially be more Bitcoin than me. What I mean by that is that we are trying to build the most decentralized and the most permissionless cryptocurrency available to date. And this has got to do not only with the low barrier to entry for a home miner, but also in the inability of a rich party to make a very strong muscle and by that to essentially price out all the home miner or all the weaker miner, like happening in Bitcoin multiple times. So as you know, the hashing power of Bitcoin got further and further centralized due to that ability of somebody to come up with a better hardware or with something that he spent a lot of capex on. And using that uh, to essentially gain unproportional market
0: share. So let's so, let's be very spe- let's be very specific. So there are three problems, and you just started to alluding to them. But I like to give people some bullet points, or so if they're taking notes on this, there are three problems that Space Mesh is trying to solve. And so, from what I've been oh able yeah. to discern, is that you're basically trying to create a fairly mined, permissionless race-free open source programmable cryptocurrency that has a low barrier to entry which you just alluded to what does that all mean fairly mined permissionless race-free you know as opposed to people who have starting to get to know about bitcoin because it's been around for 10 years and it's gotten a lion's share of news media what does that mean to someone who might not understand that
1: um so before we get lost in the real uh, tiny details I want to, uh, just before we let go of this point of view, just to hold the idea that there's three three ways to achieve consensus today. Proof of work, proof of stake, and proof of space-time. And we can essentially evaluate how permissionless and how decentralized these alternatives are. And if you... uh, Think of it from a chronological point of view. There's also always a hype cycle of some sort. So started with Bitcoin, with proof of work, which was something very good, very positive, very real in my mind, but unable to scale, very, you know, wasteful. And the biggest problem with Bitcoin is that the winner of this round gets a head start on the next round. And the bigger the block is, the bigger the head start. So there is a, by definition, cap on the blocks propagation time to be too long, and therefore the head start of the winner of the next round to be too big, etc. So, um, the idea that came after that was proof of stake. Proof of stake had the idea of much like modern economic had this idea of letting go of the gold standard, also in. Proof of stake, rather than showing you have spent some scarce resource from, you know, real life, you show that you have spent some scarce resource, but a virtual one. So it's a currency inside the system. It uses circularity. and this, this is basically uh, if, if proof of work is too hot, this is too cold. Why is it too cold? Because You can costlessly simulate, assuming you have, even at one point in the past, the keys, you can costlessly simulate the whole history. And uh, basically, this, this and the subjectivity, weak subjectivity makes a lot of people very uncomfortable with the security of proof of stake. And therefore, is there a middle ground? Is there a place in the middle where you do spend something outside, which is not virtual and internal to the system that you know will fall into the self-reference loop idea but rather something from the outside but that won't spend as much energy and won't be as pollutive and and will be more fair in the sense that it will live up to the original promise and we come up with this proof of stake which is somewhere in between a proof of space time sorry which is somewhere in between those two ideas and 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 I I feel is the right way to scale a blockchain without losing the permissions. So if you think about it, there's so many ways to uh, slice and dice this, but the most or the easiest one for me to understand is the following. I am a 16-year-old. I am at home with my PC. I have no credit card, no KYC. And how do I get into the game? How does my opinion get counted, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. So the the essentially what space mesh is achieving, besides the fact that all you need in order to be a space mesh miner is a PC with some free drive, mm-hmm. which makes it something that a lot of us already have at home right now. Right. Uh, it means that in order to become a specialist miner, it's a riskless exercise for me i'm right. not i'm not spending anything i'm not expensing anything and basically i can try at no risk and if i like it i can stand if i don't i know the other big thing here is the race free so let's 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 uh, stop on the race free property and and, and pound on that because you've asked me this as one of the three properties i think the idea here is that there is no leader. What do I mean by leaderless? I mean that there, there is no point where you need to uh, race with some other party in order for uh, one of you to become the leader. And as a result of that, you gain nothing by having a faster drive or a better drive. or, or uh, So... Any kilobyte or any gigabyte is considered the same as far as space match is concerned. And the distribution of the rewards for every layer is by the security, by the amount of storage that you have committed to the protocol and not related to specific transactions that you have executed as a miner, et cetera. So, what you gain from all that is that if a million people start to mine space mesh, a million people will continue to mine space mesh because at no point in time will they be pushed out or priced out or have to drop from the mining activity because they are losing money or they cannot make enough to return or spend or anything along those lines. All
0: right. So for the listeners, I just want to be very specific. So with proof of work, you need to have obviously you need to have machinery, you need to have ASICs, and you need to, if you were also mining a different other digital asset, you would need to use GPUs. These are components that you need basically. And then, of course, you need to have compute power. So basically what Tomer is saying is that with Space Mesh, the idea is that if you just have a PC, you basically can be in the game. And with some of the other kind of things like proof of stake, there is a hierarchy. There are oracles. There are people that have delegated more stake versus others and get to have a higher kind of level in a proverbial type of hierarchy. And so it's my understanding that you're basically trying to eliminate a lot of those kind of levels and hierarchies and obstacles to participate in these networks to make them more adoptable. And so with space mesh you're using a mesh mesh structure as opposed to a one-dimensional chain and we've talked about this on the show before with you know the bitcoin blockchain and other ones it is linear it is block by block by block 10 minute propagations this is not a bug in many people's minds this is a feature but it sounds like the mesh is divided into layers which kind of just sounds like shards and then set into blocks so Walk us through the actual way that things get done in space mesh using this mesh structure. It sounds a little similar to things that we've also talked about, like with IOTA, with DAGs, with graphs. So talk to us a little bit about that.
1: The main difference between a canonical chain and a mesh topology is the ability to create multiple blocks simultaneously. The ability to create multiple blocks simultaneously allows the network to breathe. And it allows for the amount of blocking that is created in every layer to be a function of the amount of minor. It allows for many healthier growth patterns which are based, All of them are based on the property of the basically highest form of incentive compatibility, which is also called rationality or race-free, like we've just said. And, And the idea here comes back again to the promise we can give any miner that for as long as this miner is doing his fair, his honest what the protocol is asking him to do, he will always get his fair share of the reward. So basically, you cannot gain anything by trying to hack or uh, do monkey business or cartelize with a couple of people. And this important is very, very. This I'm so. It's very, very important because in in many aspects, if you want to do a big distribution of coin, you to make sure that you are distributing them in the fairest possible way. And on that respect, to make sure that if you have 5% of the total storage, you will always get 5% of the reward makes the network much more secure. And if you're trying to understand the security aspect of this, so it's, 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 it's best understood in the following way. Assuming that 50% 50 of the miners in the network are honest, and assuming that 50% of the miners in the network are rational, it's a very different assumption. Basically, by assuming they are rational, I assume that not more than 50% will choose to voluntarily lose money, which is an easy assumption to make. To assume that 50% are honest, This means that the 50% will do what the protocol is asking them, even if there is another behavior which would cause them to earn more. This is something I find it harder to assume. I think this assumption requires uh, the conditions of hostility are much lower that it can suffer because... We know that miners are essentially selfish by definition and they do what is most profitable for them and for them to choose to not... For example, in Bitcoin, there are multiple cases where I would rather not compete on the block because I know I'm not going to win, but the protocol expects me to try and compete even though I know I'm not going to win. So it's money that I will throw away trying to win. Right. knowing that I cannot. So basically, this point is a point of inconsistency in the compatibility from, from the miner standpoint, and we're able to mathematically prove we don't have those. So two big, two big, the two biggest problems of Bitcoin right now is that I cannot get in as a miner for all. One huge problem, and the second problem is the fact that Basically, the reward distribution is not fair. So yeah, this is the two issues that we've explained, which caused the centralization of cash power. I, I think that having the hindsight of being a miner in Bitcoin early days and being a miner in Ethereum early days and seeing how it all evolves and, and pushes out the home user towards professional miners We had this hindsight that this is the biggest problem that blockchain is facing right now. And until we fix this problem, we cannot really proceed anywhere. If you think about the really smart people, say Vitalik Buderin or Olaf from Polychain, all those people were 16, 17 when Bitcoin just started. For them, it was really liberating. To be able to now, without a credit card I and mean, without the KYC, perform financial transactions, and basically this opportunity they got made humanity really benefit from their brains, etc. So now we're back to you know we're standing in line, everybody is uh, standing behind the person that has a little bit more money than him, and no one's uh, passing anyone, so it's not interesting, and it became a little bit like the games we are already familiar with on the stock exchanges, etc. So if we want to return this uh, reshuffling notion and decentralized notion, if we want the bottom-up feeling to be really pure, we must insist on a very decentralized and a very permissionless system, not because we are a cypher fund crazy, but because we think this, the pureness, the pureness of the voice matters. And if you really want a a force to counter the, you know, the for-profit commercial force, then that other force needs to be pure and needs to come from the bottom up without anybody able to really, you know.
0: Got it. So I want to talk, there's three more things I want to hit on in regards to space mesh. So one with the structure that you have when using proof of space and with you know as i mentioned before this mess structure what has been the observed throughput so we talk a lot about you know transactions per second unfortunately you know the outside world uh, not associated with digital assets uses you know visa as you know the kind of the benchmark which i don't agree with and i think most of us don't agree with but what is the transactions per second that you've been able to observe um, the, additionally, you have the the roles within your system. There's one called a smasher, and I'd like to know what that is. Um, and then there'll be one other question at the end. But you know, talk to us about kind of what you've been able to observe about throughput and, and transactions per second, and this role of the smesher. What are they?
1: So your first question about transactions per second. The the short answer is that we. Um, Will get out to testnet in two weeks with uh, something like 400 transactions per second. To be very clear, this number of transactions per second, in my mind, is not the right number to optimize against. I think that if you are able to be permissionless in the in in the sense that you sustain a very low barrier to entry for newcomers. And newcomers can always use some off-the-shelf hardware in order to join. You've already achieved a much more important property than so the degree of decentralization, the degree of permissionlessness, these are the real properties that the cryptocurrency should be uh, compared against. privacy and other properties matter in here as well so transaction per second is essentially something that we brought in from previous sort of you know capitalism 1.0 as a measurement we can put everybody in the world on the same scale and uh, you know sort them but this is a, a very simplified sort of measurement so we can control theoretically Again, theoretically, we have unbounded throughput. The amount of mines, the amount of blocks in a layer, the more miners we have. We must expand the layer width in order to meet our promise. So in every epoch, all the miners will get rewarded. And this also, by the way, makes it extremely non-economical for you to join a pool because you will get the reward at the same frequency, but just pay 5% for the pool. So we eliminate the need for pooling and for mining, uh, ASIC mining, et cetera. So um, I view space mesh predominant audience as those who are now Z generation. So they are currently 15 to 20, they will be mining this from home. And it will be an extremely decentralized coin. I expect to have, you know, many hundreds of thousands of nodes. And just for comparison, Bitcoin have about 12 right now. So I think it's it's important. And it's also important for me that the smaller user point of view will be represented on chain. So essentially... A lot of the problems that now as the mining became very professionalized, quote unquote, in proof of stake and proof of work, there's always like 20 or 15 miners that can collude or collaborate between them, et cetera. Space Mesh, we are building this in a very different way. And we are really targeting the home users and the PCs as the main users of this, both as miners and as you know, smashers. So it's essentially, the second question there are two roles that you do inside this uh, space mesh ecosystem. And Miner is a one that is getting to create a block every period of time. And then when it sees them to Create a block, he creates a block based on what he's been hearing in the gossip throughout. And this uh, block participates in the next layer, etc. Smasher to the act of smashing is the act of listening in the gossip and just, you know, continuing to contribute to the health of the system without being an actual miner. So you can see it as a validator and a minor or something along those lines, but the all in all. As a node, I will be in the background most of the time. The PC must stay always on because it's got to be connected to the network. And some process is listening to the gossip and keep updating all kinds of indexes. But this is a very you know, low demanding process that runs in the background. And right. every, every couple of weeks, at least once every two weeks, it will be my turn to participate, and then I will work for, either, for five minutes. I will work a little bit harder. But that's mostly should be collecting coins without interfering to my daily operation on the machine. And the only noticeable difference is that now my machine is always on and I never shut it down, which right. is my, my use case at home anyway. So that's... Um,
0: no, the big change. I want to. One last question. You touched on it a few times. So, Space Mesh is designed to run by home desktop PC owners around the world. You state there are tens of millions of such people with sufficient system and an internet connectivity that can join the platform, form a global decentralized computer and mm-hmm. cryptocurrency, and provide security for it. So, as opposed to those that have containers, commercialized containers like AWS and Google and all the other ones out there in terms of the the performance you know in terms of this system being performant as opposed to what we're used to you know it's been my thesis that you know to get people to transition to digital assets and to decentralized and distributed systems they need to be on par or better at performance than you know kind of what we currently have and that's just because we've become speed junkies. You know, we demand things yeah. on you know, on okay. demand.
1: I want to push back on that notion there. Sure, I want I you to but... I think cryptocurrencies has a role. Okay. And and the role is to allow learning. The main problem we now understand we had both in communism and in socialism. We know now all there is to know for eternity, but actually we know nothing and we keep learning all the time. And if we don't leave this bottom-up feeding that will change the rules over time, and if we don't allow for the price discovery to tell us things we don't already know, we are stuck with you know yesterday understanding in today's world. So for the feeding, for the bottom-up feeding to be honest, pure, and effective. It must come from a very decentralized sort of infrastructure. And I think that before we will see DApps, and before we will see a lot of the uh, DAOs and what, what we have planned for the from smart contracts, the use case of uh, having an apolitical money, which can be used as a signaling system essentially counter balance very centralistic very greedy forces this is the use case of bitcoin this will be the use case of space mesh and this is the first and foremost use case of a cryptocurrency if you want to call this a cryptocurrency you must first insist on it being extremely permissionless extremely decentralized borderless neutral you know, self-verifiable, all those properties that make a cryptocurrency cryptocurrency. And if you meet all those, now it's maybe a good time to talk about the second layer, which is how much transactions per second you say, or so on so on. But any compromise in the first, in order to achieve the second, is a mistake of not understanding the, the requirement. You only matter if you stand as a, as a counter voice it's not just a processing system it's a ledger and it's you know it's great coherence between people over time and as such the only thing which is really novel here and really worse that technology heavy lifting is this state of permissionless decentralization and if you are doing 10 trillion transactions per second but you are not decentralized, then, you know, my Oracle database can do more. And, and so before uh, we get lost in translation, we must remember what is the true calling of all this, why we have invented this to begin with, and how in the recent feature we don't lose this thematic sort of initial narrative that we want to transvest, we want to essentially traverse this whole learning process, which will happen, emerge from the ground up, okay? So I have a thought, you have a thought, we, four of us have the same thought, and we start to build the or a core around this abstracted thought until we come up with something which we discover together. And and this is the niceness of, of you know, bottom-up, unsolicited, Feeling. So this is where I wanna go and this is where I believe the decentralized system can help mm-hmm. centralized system be better. They can help the negotiation of the people with the business. Again, if, if you follow my thematic ideas here, so basically Facebook started on a good premise. 10 years later, Everything was different, but Facebook could not adopt because no one was representing the user point of view in a dialogue where they can essentially negotiate. And I believe that if Facebook was, uh, you know, paying its users even a cent here and a cent there over a period of time, they reduced, the reduce the spam would have been reduced. The logic would have returned into space mesh. And now you have to be just a spanner and a shouter in order to resonate. And, and this is clearly missing some material logic that would bring sense back into this platform. So All right. that's the use case. I so see first and foremost, then it's, and if we're not using this decentralized property, we might as well use a system like Visa, as you mentioned.
0: So that's incredibly fascinating. So as we round up the show, one of the things that we like to do with our guests is, aside from the work you're doing at Space Mesh, um, we like to get to know you a little bit more uh, kind of on a fundamental intrinsic level. Like we like to know, you know, case in point. What are you reading? Um, Are you reading anything about, you know, the psychology of people? Are you reading about the history of money? You know, there are things that people within digital assets and crypto usually tend to read a lot about. So I'd love to hear if you're reading anything from the fiction or nonfiction side. If there's anything, you know, sci-fi, that would also be cool and interesting. And then in terms of music, I've said this many, many times, and I agree with it every single time I say it that music is a very good tell on a person's personality it shows what kind of motivates them what either gets them into a zone what you know does certain things to them on a motive level and so anything that you've read recently that resonated with you either crypto or non-crypto related fiction or non-fiction and any music that you like to listen to would be great to hear from you
1: you save all the fame for last i mean we could have spent i guess and now, I'm chatting only on that. Um, my brain uh, is occupied with two things. I am looking into the philosophical, philosophical aspects of this revolution, and I spend a lot of time understanding the meta. So, this helps uh, in drawing. You know, new solution, entirely new, that comes from the meta breakthrough and go down into reality and actuality. So I think there's one philosopher which got all this uh, dramatically better than anyone else. It's a German guy called Ludwig Wittgenstein. And Wittgenstein is probably the greatest philosopher of the last 200 years. And, is very articulate in how money essentially is much more like a language, which is used to describe what we value and why essentially, you know, trying to build the science, arithmetic science around this, as if it was, has to be in the eyes of the beholder. There's no like one objective point of view that you can measure everything as right or wrong. that's one thing I'm reading, and on that note of, of the philosophy aspect of, of money, I think that uh, "Life After Google" by George Gilder is an awesome book. But also to get into Wittgenstein and to come overcome the challenge of the language and the fact it was written more than a hundred years ago, and really, you know, have your brain fight with his words is the best way to really understand what are those new capabilities that this platform has that other platforms don't have and why are they such a big deal. So this is something that came to me from the philosophy and not from the mathematics. Um, I've also read some great books about how people should or could play together and, you know, what would turn our uh, now very repetitive games into something which is, uh, you know, uh, how can we encourage collaboration? How can we encourage essentially those games which capitalize on, on, on something else which is, you know, Wisdom of the crowd can go to the lowest common denominator or it can essentially transcend into a place where we each give trust to the other where they shine. And if we start with a group of people, we can identify those who make, we can identify the points or the things that make a coherence transcend or erode into the lowest common denominator, these dynamics are everything and they're n- not necessarily noticed enough inside our current systems, which is obsessed with causal- with immediate causality. So if I do something now and the result is in two months, I cannot measure it, so it doesn't exist. Right? So That's where essentially you understand that emerging coherence from the bottom up or from the top down will bring you dramatically different results and you start to introduce this ability into the nascent uh, games that you create around, how do we make sure that we are more or less aligned about what happened until now? And this will be an immune system for us to collaborate. What we need to do onwards. So I hope all this makes sense. But I'm, I'm, I know it's a complicated topics on uh, two cents. I'm just I think, I think Wittgenstein, I think uh, Team Human by Douglas Rashkov, I think Life After Google by Gilder, those are the three individuals that have had the greatest impact on me recently.
0: Fantastic choices.
1: Yeah.
0: And anything regarding music? Do you listen to music?
1: I listen to music all the time. You know Nietzsche said that without music, life would be a mistake. So I think the the ability of music to connect one soul and, and give meaning and purpose to everything is nothing short of miraculous. And we are in total agreement on that. And um, as far as my music process, I think I have been through, uh, I, I've enjoyed the more sophisticated kind of electronic music for a long time. If it's a, you know, fatter beat like dub and drum and bass, I am now listening more and more to classical music, mostly chamber, smaller, philharmonic kind of four people playing music. These, these are These things put me really in a quiet sort of peaceful zone and connected with the mindset I want to be for crypto, which is not an achieve, 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 but right. rather, you know, deep, 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 think really hard and find the naked nerve here and touch upon that. So, so it's a very different kind of uh, zone you want to put yourself in in order for these type of ideas to surface up. And again, not an easy process. You need to unwire yourself and rewire yourself again differently. Uh, you cannot resist this process. You just have to let it happen. So you read enough. And eventually you find out that you slowly but surely understand things that you thought you didn't understand before. But you cannot, you know, force your brain into this. You just have to accept the things that you don't understand as, as, as mystery for now and let it sink in. Sometimes after a good night's sleep, you wake up one morning and you find out you just get it. And you didn't get it last night and you get it now. And so strange what happened during the night that now you understand. But these things take time to fall into place. So the you start to think about those things, how culture matters, how ideas, ideas that we have, hearsight ideas, how all these shape our understanding of what is and what should be done, and, and how our weaknesses are being played against us. If we're not careful enough, so I think all these will be solved with blockchain.
0: Amazing. So people can find more about Space Mesh by going to their website, spacemesh.com. That's S P A C E M E S H dot I O. I love your website, the way that it's designed. Uh, as someone who has spent time coding, it's really cool, and there's lots to find. You have a great FAQ and an overview, so I recommend everyone go in and check that out. And Tomer, thank you so much for joining us on Base Layer. Uh, hopefully, we can check in with you again in a few months and check and see how the progress is going, how everything's going. And again, this was Tomer. This was Tomer, the co-founder of Space Mesh, and thank you for joining us on the show today. Take
1: care.
0: For more notes from this past episode about our guest, please go to www.ar.ca slash Nothing stated on this podcast should be taken as investment advice, which would require a thorough assessment of each investor's personal financial profile and risk tolerance statements regarding past performance are not necessarily indicative of future returns if you like what you're listening to on base layer let us know subscribe give us a like or hit us up on twitter arca at arca or myself david Nage at david jn79 let us know and we'd love to obviously hear from you for additional resources to help sophisticated listeners like yourself learn about the digital asset space in the financial terms you understand Please visit www.ar.ca for articles, mark and commentary, videos, and more.